Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil. And I'm William. And today we will be finishing off Shadows of Treachery, a collection of novellas and short stories and bits and pieces from the Black Library world, the Caban Project. This is the one we'll be starting with by Graham McNeil. What about this one? Can we rush through this one? Can we not talk about this one? If you like. So this is like, if anyone recalls the Mechanicum book from a while back, there's a bit in that. And this is, in fact, I think all the rest of the stories in this book, or, or at least all the rest of the short stories in this book, I was like, these stories seem to be expecting me to either remember stuff or do research, and that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I remembered something here, though. I did remember something, yeah, which is that these... Um, so anyway, right, so this starts with... So it's on the it's on Mars. There's a dude, a fairly low-level Mechanicum dude, although he's talented. And if I, what I found funny here was, like, what he's good at doing is... Uh, cyborg brain surgery essentially which they <laughs> they consider a meaningless task the higher-ups would never and i just i find that really funny like the idea that something like that is just they're the stuff they get involved in is far more arcane and like the magical me- yeah like cyborg brain surgery is nothing but it did touch on something like the production of servitors is interesting what servitors are and stuff that's pretty interesting but it just says he's very good at producing well yeah that's exactly what i thought i was like this is this is a <coughs> wait this is a very interesting scientific question of what is the brain of especially like in this situation where you have actual like human machine creations like what is the brain of one of these it's a, it's a deeply mm-hmm. philosophical interesting question but the this is that is not addressed. This, well, it is. It is like you say a little bit there. There's a little bit of discussion in the story, but it very makes it very clear that the the more senior people in the Mechanicum are not interested. This is this is completely <laughs> menial bullshit that's far beneath them, and they're like, I'm interested in fucking whatever weird shit they're interested in. So it does talk about all these weird inventions and stuff that they are all up to in their places. But, all these like lobotomized. They start out as human, but then they they sling fucking rocket launchers and missile launchers onto them and stuff. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. So basically, that's what he's up to, and he but he does get involved. He's called Ravishall, by the way. Okay, I completely forgotten that. But he gets involved with the Caban project because his talent for this particular thing is noticed, um, and he's moved on to this project, which is basically referring back, I think, to. What was in the Mechanicum book, there was a bit where it talked about AI. Like, AI was a big, like, proper AI was a, like, forbidden thing mm-hmm. by the Emperor. Um, and it turned out that the Mechanicum had, like, warrior robot AI things. Um, and was there, was it in the Horse Heresy that there was the, the book about, like, this AI killing machine that some of the night pilots were fighting against. That was that book, wasn't it? That was the mechanic. Yeah, was book. it? Yeah, yeah. The knights, because they're like the mini sort of titans, aren't they? Like they were fighting these. I think it's basically what this was the first one or the prototype of. Yeah, they were fighting. Came after this thing, which was like he a spherical body with like killer arms and stuff. And Ravichol is working on this project under Lucas Crom as a, a good villain name. Strong. Yeah, because yeah, he was in that mechanic. But this is another one of these yeah, things. Yeah, all, what, all of these guys. Once the names are coming up, I was like, I sort of remember him, but not in yeah. what his detail, what not the de- not in terms of the detail. So he's he talks to this AI and becomes his friend, essentially. And The AI is like every AI you've ever seen <laughs> in a movie, where it just talks 
in this like really fucking banal stupid naive way where he's just like but aren't I your friend but friends help each other yeah won't you help me Ravichol talks to Caban about like itself about the forbidden nature of AI and how the emperor has forbidden it because like back pre-emperor pre like the old knight I think it was was caused by a race of AI machines that destroyed their creators and so they've been like outlawed because of that he says it's inevitable that AI robots will seek to overthrow their masters because they will see that they they if it's a true AI then they won't have an, an operator's authority and and code of ethics and stuff like that anyway he's arrested he they try to arrest him in order to silence him but the the caban project saves him and he runs and goes to what is it a techno church <laughs> he goes he takes a bunch of like battle servitors that he's programmed to protect him and and goes off to find this other guy like the protection of this other senior mechanicum dude who he thinks will help him because he used to be in his techno church or whatever it was and so when he's walking through the mechanicum world there's some cool like detail here which i remember there being stuff like this in the mechanicum book maybe as well but it was like he's talked about seeing a whimless adept carried atop a multi-legged palanquin surrounded by impossibly tall tripods that walked with a bizarre long-limbed gait there the fleshy remnants of a collective consciousness traveled in a floating glass tank that was escorted by a squad of castellan battle robots slave to its will and i was like that's cool detail and yeah just this cool there was all the flying skulls and that sort of shit there was that was going on here but anyway so he goes into the place and he thinks yeah i'll get protected here and oh an assassin sent after him like a mechanicum yeah crom gets a techno assassin after him as well so if you're being chased by a a body called lucas crom who do you go to as your protector you go to uh, a goodie called Ertzi Malevolence. <laughs> no. No. I also like the fact that this story, it's, it's like a normal Horus Heresy story, except you just put techno in front of everything. Um, Let's Ravichol in to his like techno forge and shows him his, around his, his recent work, shows him all this like new space marine armor that's being sent off to the legions. And he's, wow, that's a lot. That's really good. And then he shows him this like amazing new suit of armor for Horus and Ravishal sees it and sees oh shit this is fucked because obviously Ertzi Malevolus and Lucas Crom are both baddies I like, as if, I like the fact that he indulges in a really theatrical reveal of his villainy to this really low level guy yeah it's brilliant <laughs> and it has the whole like Horus armor like rising up through the ground and stuff and yeah I love it and anyway he runs and is confronted by the Caban Project, who's been talking to Lucas Scrum and says, well, I'm going to kill you now because you're killing me. You wanted to kill me and I thought you were my friend. So the, it feels betrayed, but is also showing Ravichol that he was right because he is now killing his creator. And then does, and that's it. And that's that, pretty much, right. A really boring story. Yeah, and I thought it was perfectly okay, but just, yeah... Like I, I think the Mechanicum world's quite cool, but I, I like it a lot myself. There's a there's so much that can be done there, but and you, is done in future books and stuff. So. But you're right, yeah, that wasn't a super interesting story, really. So, then, speaking of which, <laughs> uh, Raven's Flight by Gav Thorpe. We've read this one before, I think, twice. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I was going to say because this, I was like, wait a minute. Not only has this been an important point 
in a book that was then covered from a sort of another angle. I presume this was in the Primarchs book that this was covered. No idea. And then, but yeah, I did have a memory that there'd been a whole other story about it. And then this is basically just the same thing again. And like, it was just basically, it's like someone said, you can do this story. You can't really reveal anything new in it. There is actually one significant thing that I need to talk about. But um, you just colour in some of this stuff more. Tell us what was happening when that, when this yeah. bit that was in the other story was just like got from here to there. And but you can tell us what how they actually got to there. You know what I mean? That's basically what this story is. So it's it's a little bit like so it's all, all hinges around like this thing of how like so it's Korax and the Raven Guard when they were on Istvan after the drop site massacre. And they were on the run, basically. So we get a lot of stuff about... Yeah, they're surviving by guerrilla tactics and they're being chased by world leaders and stuff like that. Yeah, and then so that's one part of the story. And the other part is back on... What's their... Deliverance. Deliverance. Yeah, so we the story is it's mainly this, like, admiral or something, like Imperial Admiral guy. He's having these visions that he just feels, he's just convinced that they're a message from Korax saying we're in trouble. And he goes and speaks to Bran, who's was in one of the, one or both of these pre- well, presumably both of these previous stories we're talking about. And he's a space marine, obviously, like one of the captains of the, the Raven Guard. I know it sounds weird. These visions and we should... And I believe them. Like, we should go and deal with this. He's mate, there's nothing to worry about. There's like heaps of space marines out there. It can't go, possibly go wrong. Why are you stopping stupid? Yeah. And so that kind of goes on for a while. And so, that, like, in a way, this whole story was revolving... Like, not only, well, this story, but the fact that there's been so much weight placed on this moment and why did... how And people were like, oh, this is weird. How did they know to come out at that time? And it's, it's this massive amount of attention being paid to this vision. I was like, visions happen all the fucking time in this world. What's the big deal? <laughs> yeah. You just got a vision. No, but no big deal. We don't need three stories about it. And, <laughs> and also, what... A really, like for this act to have to have had three stories about it, like who who fucking cares? That's what it's like. It just seems to be putting a lot of attention on this, and I'm not totally sure. I mean, it's it's important in that like Korax is saved by it. Yeah. But then Korax seems like a very side Primarch. The Raven Guard seem like a very unimportant legion. But that's like it's an important moment in the mechanics of that particular story, which we've already had happen. You know what I mean? But it's not mm-hmm. like a warp vision is not in and of itself is not unusual in these <laughs> worlds. And however, there was some good stuff in this. Um, we got the, the return of uh, the Motley Crew member Vincent Six, who, <laughs> who'd popped up briefly, I think, in the, in the yeah. Raven Guard story. We got um, Korax. At one point, a grenade goes off. He holds a grenade in his hand and explodes in his hand and it numbs his fingers. That's the extent of it. That's pretty tough. Like, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, it's all Valerius trying to persuade Bran to leave Deliverance and go and save Korax. And Bran starts getting like super pissed off and says, "Do you actually want to go and join Horus? Is that what this is all about?" Valerius, very, don't be fucking saying that about me. Anyway, Valerius is on his ships and says, "We are going. You, it's up to you. You can destroy us now, or you can come with us." And Bran says, "You got to follow your orders." And then it all hangs on this really stupid conversation where he goes, "What are the consequences if either of us are wrong?" If I'm wrong, we've made we've disobeyed orders and we've gone on a bit of a space journey. If you're wrong, then your father's dead 
and the Legion is in flames. Yeah. And that works. Yeah. And I'm like, for a soldier, like a, a super soldier, all just recently talking about the importance of chain of command and, and following orders and stuff like that, he goes, oh, what what an argument. Yeah. What an amazing argument. And he does... He, because yeah, I, you, you can make up the most stupid story in the world and justify it by that. Yeah. And he, he gives it a bit of, he gives it a bit of like, I pledge, you know, my honour. I've been serving the Raven Guard. My family's been serving the Raven Guard. Yeah, but it's a, it's, it's a little bit unconvincing. But they, they go anyway. And yeah, no. That's it. That's it. Like literally. But there's a couple of other details about this. Whereas, so it's like Korax is talking about, I was saying like, he's seen untold atrocities committed in the name of the Enlightenment. He even... Had even committed a few himself, basically. Of, of those, he was not proud, but he's sure that the cause had always been just. Anyway, sorry, that's just a, a little thing about that. I don't really have anything particular to say about that. But he, there is a bit here where it's so. It's quite interesting. Like when I read these books on Kindle on my phone, um, it's sometimes a bit has been like it highlights a bit. Like if a, if a particular bit has been highlighted by multiple readers, it will highlight it to you, mm-hmm. and it's always these sort of total lore deep cuts that have been highlighted anyway this was a pretty interesting one so it's talking about it's it's going over a conversation between the emperor and i think it's when korax was first joined the like when he was met by the emperor and brought into the the fold and he says hey so the emperor says each of these parts that they put into me i gave each of you the emperor had said korax had asked who had put what into the emperor but he had shaken his head and refused to answer telling korax that it was not important anymore um interesting so yeah that's the first we've had any of that chat yeah on to uh death of a silversmith then i think i can sum this up pretty fucking quickly. It was a, it was a short one, this, wasn't it? Uh, a silversmith is taken as a sort of precursor to uh, a remembrancer. He is a very good silversmith from a family of silversmiths. He's taken by Horus on the Vengeful Spirit. He's asked for all of this stuff because his name gets known. He makes uh, a bunch of lodge medals for this guy who he gives them to and who kills him. And that's about it. That, that, that's the the story essentially. And then he's like, someone comes to him and says, well, "Oh no, uh, Sejanus, because this is the the one of wolves he's with." Hastur Sejanus comes to him and says, "What what did they say to you before they killed you?" And he says, "I cannot say," or whatever it is exactly mm-hmm. they say. And so it's just he's this is the lodge that obviously came into the first three books mainly and and pops up ever since then through which chaos ideas spread and stuff. So yeah, that's basically it as far as the story goes. Some cool little bits of detail. So uh, I, I, yeah, I, whatever. There's like, it's talking about the kind of stuff this guy made. And I was like, when I read this, I was like, I think Neil would probably like one of those. It says, <laughs> so he made things including, it says, uh, so th- he made stuff for people such as a bureaucrat seeking to impress his pe- peers with a filigreed quill. I was like, you're always sticking up for the bureaucrats, Neil, and <laughs> and you could probably use one of them in your in your line of work. Agreed. I, I take it. I take it. <laughs> Everybody, send me monographed quills, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, there's not. But that's it. Not really yeah, much to go in. That's it. Let's move on to Prince of Crows by Aaron Dembski Biden. Now, Prince of Crows has a subtitle. It's Prince of Crows in Midnight Clad. Which is oh, I didn't even see that. I, I didn't even see yeah. <laughs> and it's got but appropriate for these fucking goth ass losers. <laughs> it's, it's got it's got about 
uh, it's got the full works as well, like prologue, about nine chapters for yeah. for uh, this novella and all of that. Yeah. So I wait. Savitar was definitely a story before. I can't remember. Yeah. Much about that. Um, he was like a prisoner or something, wasn't he? Um, well, they, they they were fighting on a space station or a moon. They were fighting Lionel Johnson, the the Dark Angels. If you remember that story, when the Night Lords are chasing the First Legion around the place and not engaging, and there are a bunch of Dark Angels saying, giving them a bit of shit for not being honourable knights and all that kind of stuff. That's what's that's the crusade that's mentioned in this, the Thramis Crusade. Yeah, that's mentioned in this. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you agree with this or not, but I was like. At least as he's depicted in this story, I was like, I think Savitar is the first actually funny space marine that we've had. Yeah, yeah. for as much as I, I don't like someone like Kurz, Savitar has a sarcastic wit about him, which I do enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty funny. Um, he's a dickhead. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't enjoy him as a person. But I I enjoy his, his sarcasm pace. It does work with me. Yeah, because he, he, he meets... So, like, they're all in a bit of a bad shape. The, the Legion's in a bit of a bad shape because of what the Dark Angels have been attacking them. Um, Conrad Kurz... Kurz is, is nearly dead at the hands of old Lionel. Yeah, and he's... And, and they're... And Savitar's, like, missing initially. And there's a, there's a council of the Cairo something which is their inner circle of leaders of the legion basically and correct the Cairo up to that's it and then that is the that's the is that the the name that's a crow Cairo Cairo is the yeah the, the name um, the Greek for a crow makes sense makes sense so like, yeah so he comes in because they'd all been a bit like oh Savitar was fucking trying to save people or something that was a waste of time and then he walks in and then stuff like this one of them's like are you mad Savitar he's like I don't think so I feel fine <laughs> how would you stop us from staying asked Varjan I kill you of course but let's hope it doesn't come to that um, <laughs> our mo- emotions are running high and my spear is all the way over there so so he's given it all this shit which he does basically throughout the whole story and I, I thought I genuinely thought it was quite funny and I actually mm-hmm. I, I think you're hating the Night Lords and I actually th- thought this was quite good like this whole depiction of them is a legion that doesn't actually like each other. The Primarch fucking hates his own space marines. Um, yeah, they, I suppose that's true. Yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, like I, th- I like all of those. Things. I just thought it was a nice change from the usual. Oh, the Primarch, her Primarch's the best thing ever, and, and just the usual chat. Yeah. I guess I should just say I don't like Conrad Kurz. That's what I'll say. Okay, and uh, yeah, like Savitar has a lot of quite funny lines, and uh, so we can't, a lot of stuff comes out about here. Like the Night Lords, seemingly for a long time pre and post-heresy have been setting up what they call flaying pits. Yep. And they have some pretty fond memories. Like At one point, it's like, oh, do you remember the good old days when we when we, when we just used to set up flaying pits? Uh, and this all comes down to... Oh, I, I don't mean to jump ahead. No, no, just go, we ahead. See, we, go ahead. Yeah, no, we see visions of... Uh, well, we meet a few people. We meet a few more people in the Chiroptera, and we meet Trez, who is a psyker. But he's a sin eater. They call him a sin eater. He's a human lackey, basically, of Kurs. And he, as the name implies, uh, sin, sin eater name implies, he helps Conrad with his fits and visions and stuff like that. And somehow uses his ability to, to lessen those. Anyway, Sevatar plans to like split the Legion into six. 
and just say, y'all can go off and do whatever the hell you want to do. We are a sort of divided legion anyway. That's fine. And then we have a vision because Kurz is in a coma, essentially. Oh, wait a minute, before we go into that, so like, just, there's just a couple of funny lines here where he's... So they're just like setting up this meeting of the people. And so Kurz, like that dude you were just talking about, the Sin Eater guy, like in, in Conrad Kurz's chamber where they're going to have this meeting, there's fucking flayed bodies hanging about everywhere. And, like, <laughs> and they're like... So he's saying, everyone's going to come here. And so he basically tells this guy to fuck off. And the guy is, where should I go? And he says, an intriguing question. The answer is that I don't care. Go go anywhere that isn't here. So that was funny. And another time, someone's like the new fleet admiral because someone or others died. And he says, that makes him the new fleet admiral. Offer him my insincere congratulations and a rank he earned purely by being the last naval officer standing. But yeah, so he's got some patter, this guy. Um, But so then, yeah, he invites the others along. And one of them turns out and says he's like mounting heads and spikes to warn slaves about the price of disobedience is one thing dwelling among the bodies of dead legionaries and legion serfs is quite another so you know like this one of them's drawing the line at like just hanging out in a room with loads of yeah exactly anyway so just like that's that's too far (laughs) but yeah onto the vision yeah so this gives the early life of uh, conrad kurz on the stromo and he's born into a world of gang warfare where the criminals run everything and it's all he's in rags and he's just surviving any way he can through theft and and just any eating animals and all that kind of stuff but he's in a world of gangs he's a sort of one-man gang he's he just like punishes everybody he can find and he becomes known as the night haunter here because he can move in the darkness and is stealthy and shit. Yeah, he's basically Batman, but kills people. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. Because like, he's sort of seen himself as like punisher of sinners kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And he, he moves up through the ranks, targeting more and more people until he gets to a sort of the, the time when all of the gang leaders are in a room together discussing being gang leaders that kind of that kind of scene and he comes and says we are like a really shit planet we you guys run everything we don't even have the unity to to hate a single enemy he hates those in power completely and he like he's crucifying people and all that kind of stuff and he says that through his fear he can unite the entire planet people won't fuck with his rule because they will be too afraid. And he takes control of the planet, and in order to broadcast this fear, he literally broadcasts the murder of children. And to show that anybody who doesn't do what exactly what I say, this is what can happen to you. And that does unify the planet, and brings it all to under his rule. And then he meets the Emperor. His father's come. He actually knows that the Emperor's coming because he's foreseen it. And he sees Dorne. He sees that he will die in a tunnel, like with hundreds of murderers having a go at him. He sees Lorgar. He sees Ferris Manus and Fulgrim. And he's, like, he has visions about all of them. And the Emperor like speaks like a syllable. And he has a fit. And uh, the Emperor somehow calms it. But Kurz sees the plan for him and stuff, which is not particularly great and then he notices Sevatar who has been is doing some sort of magic psychic work in order to get the Primarch out of his coma 
Yeah, I had not picked up on that bit where he actually killed children to, as a sort of final act of convincing them that he would do anything, basically. Um, and, and I just remembered he did loads of horrible shit. But yeah, that's so he becomes like the king of this world, and the primar, uh, the emperor comes down. Um, yeah, and Savitar comes into this dream, and it all kind of freezes. It was like, um, yeah, th- this is the the conversation that I, I mentioned in the last episode that I thought was really a really good counterpoint to Conrad Kerr's. And it's I think just before this or, or in amongst this, there's a bit I thought like. It was describing, so it starts to, there's little hints that Savitar can see the future to an extent as well. And I thought it was just a, a really interesting way they described the way in which he sees the future. Um, saying, um, what would happen, or, or is this talking about? No, this is, t- sorry, this isn't talking about Savitar, this is talking about the Night Haunter himself. And it's saying, soon enough he was dreaming while awake, what would happen began to overlay his vision of what was happening. He'd speak to mm. an underling, losing track of the man's voice, hearing instead the servant's last words and his destined to die. So I, I just I thought that could be a really... Yeah, I, I just thought that was a cool picture of seeing the future, not as something you... Not as, like, something when you're sort of cut off from the waking world, but actually unfolding, overlapping yeah. with what you're actually seeing. Um, was and, and I suppose, and, and this is counter to something I said in the last episode, is that you could, you can see how that might lead to somebody's madness if you're seeing like two timelines running over the top of each other. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. And that was like, to be honest, I thought a lot of there's a lot of bits in this one that were quite stylishly written and just good turns of phrase. But anyway, yeah, sorry, you wanted to talk about this conversation. Yeah, so it's like Savitar. He said, like, uh, Kurz talks about Sevatar and says that in order to be here, in, in like in his mind, Sevatar's had to lower his psychic barriers, which he has put up over the course of his lifetime, which allows Kurz to see his future. And Sevatar's like, not interested. And Kurz goes, oh, go on, let me tell you. <laughs> and Kurz is like, no, no, I really don't want to know. And, and, you know, Kurz being a dick just goes, you die in battle. There, said it. <laughs> he's, <laughs> and he's like, oh, what a fucking surprise. I'm a space marine. Yeah, exactly. That's when Sevatar like, says this, like, there's a bit of silence as they walk. And he goes, why do you hate us? Why do you hate your own legion? And it was a really, it, it took back a bit. And it took me back. And he says it's like he despises the people of Nostromo for re- requiring a figure of fear. Like, he, he brought... Nostromo to unity and it, there, there weren't any crimes or anything like that because they were, everyone was so afraid of him and then he went away on the crusade and just a few years after that they fall away, the rule of law falls away, they they slide back into their old ways and that's when he had to go and, and punish them again and also as it relates to the Legion he, it says that, or at least he says that they had been, after he went away, like they started sending they started using putting the gene seeds into like criminals and they were becoming yeah. part of his legion so that's why he sort of despises his own legion now because he yeah. sees it as yeah being corrupted and he says that he creates fear as a as a means essentially to do something his legion have fallen that they were born as or they were created out of rapists and murderers and now they do they're flaying pit shit for fun, whereas he, he does it for an absolute purpose. And Sevatar is just like not having any of this. 
he Sevatar is asking all the questions I want to, <laughs> to ask here. And he says, what other things did you try? Did you look at any of the other legions? They seem to be doing okay. Any other form of politics? It's a really good point. Gilliman seems to have done it without making everyone terrified of him. And this leads to uh, Kerr's attacking Sevatar. And Sevatar, he, he follows up with just saying, it's not the only way, it's just the easiest way. And you do it for the same reason that we do it, because you love it. And that's it. That's absolutely finger on the pulse. That is it. Yeah, and it's it's obviously proved to... The point of Sevatar is very much proved that in the, like, in even from the earlier story, he's gone back and we know that he's had to go back and, or he's felt he had to go back and destroy his home world. So, yeah, like, obviously his means of keeping people in control has not proven effective. And, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so this, so, so, but Sevatar sort of comes out of the, the dream thing and he is like we're back in the sort of space battle thing that starts happening here and with the dark angels show up and they're like he's most of you just go away and start like um do whatever you want basically and then just go and fight the imperium wherever you like but he says that but one of his like admirals has a pretty cool plan so he's like, let's do this we'll paint and it doesn't really lay out exactly what the plan is but and this whole section was like surprisingly Swashbuck, swashbuckling <laughs> finale to this story, where so they're going to like basically just punch directly into the Dark Angels and head for Lionel Johnson, and and the Primarch's supposed to be getting taken away here because he's still in a coma, but uh, he, um, his the ship which has him and has him in it ends up heading towards the Dark Angels as well, and uh, I can't remember how exactly all this plays out, but. He basically he gets a fighter pilot to come and pick him up, Sevatar. He surfs on a fighter jet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. And he, yeah, he just gets carried over because his what is it? He's sent. He's 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 through the normal teleportation route. He's sent like his elite warriors over there, but he gets the systems on his ship get broken down, so he has to like surf a a fighter ship over there. And there's a big battle going on. The Primarch has gone there as well. There's a huge fight going on in the innards of the ship and it doesn't really conclude that does it the story stops no they're the night lords are overpowered and he is put in prison we learn more about their acid spit he spits through a wall (laughs) Um, and yeah we learn that Kurz has got away and is hiding out on the ship somewhere but there are like the night lords have been captured and are being held together in prison and then Sevatar gets everyone together and goes let's escape <laughs> and that's it <laughs> that's the end of it yeah and like yeah I, I thought Sevatar was like definitely one of the most interesting space marine characters we've had not only because he he had that sarcastic humor but also like he wasn't just wasn't entirely just like doesn't give a shit about anyone doesn't care or anything it had this thing about him like the fighter pilot who had um, been in the story briefly earlier on was one it said he was a one of a number of humans in the in the legion or associated with the legion that he felt a special attachment to because uh, he thought they might have been like related to him you know yeah they added like a physical resemblance to 
either him or people he knew like from his past yeah like before he got sort of turned into a space marine and, and yeah and also also he clearly doesn't like his prime and i thought that was really good that's a nice change of pace and i, I actually thought uh that was yeah pretty well written story like it, it just had it was had some sort of some good lines like it talks about a, a ship um entire ship or something killing the entire ship in a migraine foul way. Just a few memorable. Stories. I remember that that line as well. Thinking that was excellent. Good, like good turns of phrase. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, and that's the end of the collection. And overall, like quite enjoyable. Given that some of it was just total filler, but overall, quite, like, pretty much probably all of it's completely inessential. But but a lot of it was quite enjoyable. Not completely inessential. I think there was some reasonably significant storyline stuff in here but i don't know I, it wasn't trying storyline it was i i didn't think it was giving character and that's what has been sorely lacking so on that front i would say totally essential that's true yeah a few of them a few of the short stories were just like we said basically sort of these character studies and not really yeah much plot at all and and yeah it just definitely stuck in my mind as being or it, it stood out as better than what i remember from the previous short story collections but but yeah we've been recorded we've recorded this and the last episode in one go which has been a nightmare for short stories because <laughs> trying to remember what's in especially when lots of the stories were about the same legions and stuff trying to remember yeah. what happened in each one was a bit of a nightmare um, all in the one go but yeah so I'll be glad when we go on to the next week which is Angel Exterminatus which I assume oh so that that will follow on from one of the more recent books that we read which I can't really remember much about but that, that'll be full grim if you say so yeah I, I genuinely don't know but yeah I'll be, I'll be glad to get onto a full novel again but yeah so that we'll be back with for the first half of that in a couple of weeks but yeah thanks very much for listening you can get us at horusheretics at gmail.com um, and yeah we appreciate feedback and or, or reviewing us on apple podcast or whatever way you listen they just always say apple podcast don't they that's obviously the one that yeah but yeah cool thanks very much and we'll we'll catch you next time thanks